Thank you for listening to the Resources for Integrated Care podcast series, Innovations in Alzheimer's Disease and Related Dementias, or ADRD, Caregiver Support Programs, Building and Leveraging Support Systems. This podcast is excerpted from a webinar presented live on September 19, 2022. In this podcast, Dr. David B. Rubin, MD, the Chief of the Division of Geriatrics at the University of California, Los Angeles, and the Director of the UCLA Alzheimer's and Dementia Care, or ADC, program, discusses insights on UCLA's Alzheimer's and Dementia Care program, as well as lessons learned and plans for program expansion. In the next 20 minutes, I'm going to tell a story in three chapters. The first is getting started with the UCLA ADC program. The second, it will describe the local success. And the third are our efforts going national. So this began in 2021 with philanthropic funds from a patient of one of my partners. And we had planned to offer this service for 250 patients. And, and then we hit the lottery. We applied and were one of the first 26 CMMI Innovation Challenge Awards in uh, 2012, and the purpose of that was to expand the program to 1,000 patients. That was 10 years ago. Now we are over 3,500 patients, currently active, a little more than 750, 12% are dually eligible. We're seeing about 350 new patients per year. The mission of this program is to partner with families, physicians, and community organizations to maximize uh, persons living with dementia's function, independence, and dignity while minimizing caregiver strain and burnout. And this uh, follows a pathway. First of all is the recognition that uh, this care is a long journey. And journey is a really good word when thinking about caring for people with dementia. This is not a curable disease in 2022. It approaches the patient and caregiver as a dyad. Both need support. And programs that focus only on the person living with dementia or only on the caregiver can't get the entire job done. It uses a co-management model with a UCLA nurse practitioner, dementia care specialist, who does not assume primary care of the patient, but works with the primary care provider. And it provides comprehensive care based in the healthcare system that reaches into the community. Conceptually, the process of the program begins with patient intake. And this is a, a referral by either a primary care provider or a specialist physician. Once the patient is confirmed to have dementia, then the initial assessment begins. This tends to be 90 to 120 minutes. It's got patients and their caregivers, and sometimes there are a half a dozen caregivers in the room. This is where the dementia care specialist gets, begins to get involved, and with the person living with dementia and, and caregiver and primary care provider, they create and implement individualized dementia care plans. The dementia care specialist stays involved, monitoring and revising the care plans, and there's a minimum of a phone call every three to four months. We'll talk about that more in just a moment. 
We also have access 24 hours, 365 days a year for assistance. We are fortunate that the Division of Geriatrics faculty covers nights and weekends, but uh, obviously during the daytime, the dementia care specialists take their own calls or cover for each other. And then the final step are referrals to community-based organizations for services, as well as medical specialists such as psychologists, psychiatrists, and neurologists. So the dementia care specialist is really the, the pivotal person. This is an advanced practice provider, either a nurse practitioner, a clinical nurse specialist who has prescribing authority, or a physician assistant. This is very important, and it was a major decision on our part because we wanted a healthcare professional who could both do assessment and also prescribe treatments. The dementia care specialist is based in the healthcare system, based in the outpatient clinic setting. We are now in five different practice settings in Los Angeles, and they, they provide dementia care co-management. Each dementia care specialist follows uh, roughly uh, 250 patients, that's what we budget for, and they're assisted by dementia care assistants. These can be registered nurses, social workers, or non-licensed trained staff, and for the most part, we, we rely on non-licensed staff. The purpose of the dementia care assistant is to reach out to lower acuity persons with dementia and their caregivers. They tend to make the first calls every three months or four months, and we've categorized people as participants in the program as red, yellow, and green. And green are people who are pretty stable. Much of their care is managed by the dementia care assistant, but the reds are people who are somewhat unstable, recently hospitalized, et cetera. And then the reds are the, are the red hots. Now, these are people who are actively in crisis. The other thing that the dementia care assistants can do is refer to other resources and provide some reinforcement of non-behavioral pharmacological behavior interventions. They help with scheduling, not only uh, scheduling in the dementia care program, but also other scheduling in the health system. And they identify dyads who are in crisis and will triage to the dementia care specialist. But the most important thing about the dementia care assistants is that they allow the dementia care specialist to work at the top of their license. There's no way the dementia care specialist could care for a caseload of 250 patients without this kind of help. So that's the program, switching to success at UCLA. So the first thing we wanted to know is whether the doctors would, would, would be willing to accept this kind of a program. Shortly after the program began, within the first year, we did an anonymous survey uh, to physicians who had patients in the program, and 61% said they, that the nurse practitioners provided valuable medical recommendations, 85% valuable behavioral recommendations. Two, over two-thirds said it enhanced the physician's relationship with their patients. Over half said it saved the physician's time, and over 90% that they would recommend this for other patients. And they do, they do. We've stopped any marketing of the program whatsoever, and currently we're getting between 10 and 25 referrals per week. So what does this program do? We've published some data on patient and caregiver outcomes. So I'm gonna go through this briefly. The top orange bar is functional status, and you see that this rises over one year, and actually, unfortunately, rising is worse. 
So their functional status of the patient actually gets worse. MMSE is a mental status examination, and higher scores are better. So you see, once again, they're declining. The bottom line here is this program does not cure dementia. The, the disease progresses. On the other hand, the gray bar are the behavioral symptoms. These are the agitation, the irritability, the uh, aggression. Those improve significantly, and the patient's depression also improves. These are caregiver outcomes, and this, uh, I know this conference is focused on, on caregivers. So that what you see here are three scales, and the first is distress from behavioral symptoms. How much are these symptoms really bothering the caregivers? The second is the, the green bar is caregiver strain index, which is an overall measure of how disruptive dementia care is for these caregivers. And the third, the gray one, is the PHQ-9, which is a standardized scale measuring depression. And all three get better. So this program has a lot of benefit for the caregivers. Now, what does this do for healthcare costs and healthcare utilization? When we had the CMMI Innovation Challenge Award, an external evaluator, NORC, evaluated the program, and then we conducted a second internal evaluation. And what we found was these two evaluations showed that hospitalizations were reduced about 12%. That was not statistically significant. But ED visits were reduced by 20%, which is statistically significant. ICU stays, 21%, not statistically significant. Hospital days, 26% fewer, statistically significant. Nursing home placement for long-term care, reduced by 40%, statistically significant, and hospice use in the last six months increased by 60%. And when CMS looked at the overall costs and savings to Medicare, it found that for each beneficiary, roughly $601 per quarter was saved, roughly $2,400 per year. So this program not only improves outcomes, but it also saves money. Going national, in 2019, we received a three-year grant from the John A. Hartford Foundation to implement the program in eight to 10 health systems outside of UCLA to work with the Gerontological Advanced Practice Nurses Association, GAPNA, to educate nurses how to, how to fulfill these dementia care specialist roles, and then establish partners to promote payment changes. To date, and this is how the process works, 80 sites have expressed interest. Actually, this was as of uh, December 2021. And they fill out a brief interest form, just four, three or four questions. And then they have a phone call with us. As of that, at the end of December, there were 58 of these initial phone calls. And they typically include the program manager, a dementia care specialist, and me. And I would say that I, I, I've probably been on another 10 calls since uh, December. I've been on every one of these calls. And if they're interested, we send them what, they call, what we call a readiness assessment form. And the readiness assessment form is about three or four pages. It asks what their goals for the program are, what kind of resources they can allocate to the program. And this could be filled out in 10 or 15 minutes, but it can't. 
because this has to is, have be on the basis of discussion with people who are in administration and C-suites about whether they're willing to commit to this kind of program. And then finally, the last step is set a, uh, signing a letter of agreement. The letter of agreement is a formal commitment to implement the program and outlines exactly what the, what the adopting site will do and what the UCLA will, implementation team will provide. And much of that is, is training, also adapting the program to local resources and strengths and needs. And uh, that training of the dementia care specialists and the team and the continual ad adaptation takes up to two years. And there's, here we are. These are the adopting sites. We've pretty much all over the country. The ones in red are supported by the Hartford Foundation. The ones in purple are part of a randomized clinical trial. And these are our adopting sites. So uh, adopting is, is not the same as creating a program, and disseminating is not the same. It takes a lot of work, and it's a different kind of work. We recently published on, on this what our efforts were, two papers, one from the uh, disseminator site, you know, from us side point of view, and then also from the adopting site's point of view. But the key lessons were you need to identify and nurture a product champion. And these typically have been geriatricians or nurse practitioners or neurologists or psychiatrists. They are interested in the program and they're willing to to carry the ball. The business case is critical. You can afford to lose a little bit of money, and many institutions are willing to subsidize this, but you can't lose a lot of money on this program. So we work with them. In fact, we've created an ROI calculator to help the sites go through this and determine how long it's going to take them to break even. Some will not never break even. And one of the big obstacles to disseminating the program are the current reimbursement system. Training is essential. Just because you are a nurse practitioner or a physician assistant doesn't mean you can do this job. There are two kinds of learning you need to have. One is about dementia care because you, you don't really learn that much in general professional training. But the second is about how to use the model. Local factors are important. You know, each site is different. And some sites already have certain kinds of professionals who would be uh, good to fit these roles, such as a social worker in the dementia care assistant uh, role. But some want to split the dementia care specialist, have them work 50% in, in this program, and then 50% in palliative care, all sorts of permutation that you have to adapt to. Be patient. We've had, as you, you can see, well, as I can tell you, is that we have 14 adopting sites, but only 10 are actively seeing patients. Others are waiting for additional funding. Some state programs fell through. It, it takes a while. And finally, don't estimate, underestimate the time needed for program implementation. You know, the, everybody talks about toolkits, and you just pull the toolkit off the shelf and you can do it. But, but that's not the case in a program like this. You have to have people trained. You have to have measures of fidelity. You have to make sure that the program is, is working as intended according to its core pillars if you're going to attain the same results. In 2022, beginning of this year, we received another grant from the Hartford Foundation to create a dissemination center. 
and to create a national dementia care learning collaborative. We also set a goal of implementing the program in an additional 50 healthcare systems. The Dissemination Center is, is local here, and what it gives is a, a menu of options for adopting sites. Uh, we, uh, we focus on the core program with adaptation to local environments, but there, we also uh, work with them if they want complementary programs, such as memory evaluations, and sometimes we, we talk with these folks and the UCLA ADC program is not the right program for them. And in that case, we refer them to other kinds of models, such as the CARE ecosystem and the Benjamin Rose CARE collaboration program. Sometimes they need uh, additional training in geriatrics, and we might suggest that they attend the UCLA intensive course in geriatrics. Uh, we also have an ADC ECHO program, Extension for Community Health Care Outcomes, which we offer in collaboration with the National Alzheimer's Association. And here, it's kind of distance learning. We present uh, didactics and then case presentations, sometimes to as many as 40 or 50 participants from five or six different healthcare systems. The National Learning Collaborative, I have a big smile on my face because the National Learning Collaborative had its first national summit last week, and it was very well attended by about 100 participants. And this provides a forum for ongoing peer-to-peer -peer feedback, group learning, also a community of practice sites. And these include sites that uh, have already adopted and sites that are considering adopting. Our partners in this National Dissemination Center are the All American Geriatric Society, Alzheimer's Association, the Milken Alliance, and the LEAD Coalition, and the Institute for Healthcare Improvement through their Age Friendly Initiative. Caregiver support efforts. So this is also something very interesting. It's very important that we, uh, we recognize and help the caregivers. So we've established a voucher system with our CBOs and vendors to provide services such as counseling, education, and support. And the way this works is that dementia care specialists authorize vouchers that the uh, persons with dementia and their caregivers can redeem at vetted community-based organizations. And then the, when they're redeemed, they bill us and we pay them. And initially this was supported by the uh, CMMI Innovation Challenge Award, but subsequently, we've been able to get philanthropic support for it so that the families found the, fam the foundations that have been given to this, they give twice. They give to us, and then they also give to the community-based organization. We've also established seven different support groups, general support groups, Spanish language, frontal temporal degeneration, Lewy body dementia, early onset, and we pay for the support group leaders and host them. We, we are very committed to helping these caregivers get through this journey. Thank you for listening. This podcast is presented by the Lewin Group and is supported through the Medicare-Medicaid Coordination Office at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. MMCO is dedicated to helping beneficiaries enrolled in Medicare and Medicaid have access to seamless, high-quality health care that includes the full range of covered services in both programs. To support providers in their efforts to deliver more integrated, coordinated care, MMCO is developing technical assistance and actionable tools based on successful innovations and care models. 
To learn more about current efforts and resources, please visit our website, resourcesforintegratedcare.com. You can also find us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at integrate underscore care or follow Resources for Integrated Care on LinkedIn to stay up to date with our recent products and technical assistance.